It is 12 o'clock, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Perhaps you're listening on the TSN app or on the iHeartRadio app. However you get us, thanks so much. We are so appreciative that you are with us on this lovely, what is it, July? It's, I never know what day it is. If you work the weekends, help me out. You just totally forget what day it is. It's Thursday, I'm being told. I guess because Tiger Woods is on his knees in a pot bunker. Trying to whack something out of a... Or is that... Pardon me, I'm far away from the TV. Okay, those are the arms. That's Brooks Kepka. Yeah, when it's arms... that Here's Tiger now. The, you, you know Kepka by the arms, right? That dude is not a golfer at all. I have to say, one of the most annoying things about all the Nike athletes as of late is they all wear the exact same outfit during majors. Really? Up until Sunday. So if you notice, on Monday they wear white, on Tuesday they wear blue, on Thursday they wear black. Or sorry, uh, Thursday they wear white, Friday they wear blue or black, and then Saturday they wear blue or black if changes. And then on Sunday they all wear like their specific color. Okay, so the tiger red. Yeah, so to your point. Kepka was in like peach or whatever at the end of the open. So to your point, Brooks Kepka and Tiger Woods are wearing all white, except Tiger's wearing that vest. So if he gets hot, he takes it off, and they all look the same on the golf course. Yeah, Tiger rocking a peacock blue vest and some slate gray pants, and I'm pretending I know colors by saying this as he stands over a putt on six. Tiger. And he gacked it. Tiger birdied one and four. He was really disappointed with a shot on five, but he ended up parring that hole. Uh, I'm assuming that one did not go real well for Tiger, so he was two under, still two under, so Tiger Woods with a par. It was an eventful round for Jordan Spieth, whose putting has been a real problem. He finished with 28 putts on the round, which that's... That is hardly a terrible number for him. His one on eight, if you uh, are on the Twitter box, you can see his putt on eight. He's caught just a few feet to the side of a, of a pot bunker, and the hole is in behind the pot bunker. And he figures, I'm going to putt this. And at the moment that the on-course commentator says, is no chance of getting this close. He just tiptoes the line between it's going to plop into the bunker and it stayed alive, and he put it within four feet, and you go, wow, okay. Speed, the putting problems, those are over. And then he doubles 15, bogeys 16, par 17, and bogeys 18, and finishes by dropping four strokes. So Spieth, the defending champion, looking more like the Spieth who's missed the, the cut in his last couple of, of tournaments. What else do we have coming up this hour? We're going to talk more, obviously, about uh, Kawhi Leonard. Oh, Kristen Shilton, our Maple Leafs reporter. I wanted to get in some hockey talk. Because this week has been a lot about Kawhi. It's been a lot about the footballs. It's been a lot. I have some, I have some questions I'm going to force Kristen Shilton to answer. Uh, some of them may pertain to proposition bets you may see for the upcoming season. Some of them I just want her to, to tap dance and answer as I ask her ludicrous questions. And part of it is I want to talk about, well, obviously the Matthews Tavares is something we're going to talk about forever. But I, wa- I just want to, I have an un limited amount of respect for a guy like Patrick Marlowe and the effects he could have. So I have a hot take on Patrick Marlowe coming up when we talk with Kristen Shilton. That a little closer to the bottom of the clock here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. So yes, Kevin Kisner, the leader, minus five after shooting a 66. Eric Van Ruyen, who got off early, a minus four. No wind when they got up or when they started off the 1.35 a.m. Eastern Time tea times. No wind. It's, it picked up a little bit toward the middle of the day. 
Uh, you know, and when I say that, it wasn't traditional British Open winds, right, where guys are wearing three sweaters because it's cutting into them at 30 miles an hour. It was up to six or seven as they run back some highlights of a gentleman wearing a toque and long sleeves. So a little chilly at Carnoustie. And then uh, it's, it's, it's gotten a little tougher as they go along. So I wonder if maybe the early crew will be the one. That said, Justin Thomas, after 13 holes at minus three. Tiger, minus two after six as we scoot down the leaderboard. Bryson DeChambeau, minus one through six holes. I tuned in and just at just the right time this morning. I tuned in to see Brandon Stone on 18, and he hammers his drive, and it ends up in the brush, and you go, okay, that's, that's bad. There is some long, long grass at 18. And uh, then he takes his second shot, and he whacks it off the stands, and it takes the most unbelievable ricochet off the stands. He ends up staying par. And Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel, who is at Carnoustie, I'm hoping, Rex, first off, thanks for joining us on uh, Toronto Today. Appreciate your time. No, glad to join you. Uh, did you see Brandon Stone on 18? That's when I turned on the TV this morning. It had a John Vanderbilt feel to it, didn't it? Kind of wrapping it around. I bet you somewhere John is thinking to himself, how come I couldn't have gotten that down? So let's set the scene for folks who didn't see it. His first drive goes into the long grass. His second drive, he, he or his second shot, he unleashes it, and he was instantly disappointed. Pick up what happened from there. Where the ball well, goes. I mean, you, oh, it goes wildly left. And it, it out of bounds, sneaks up real quick on players. You don't realize, but... If you get a good look at the 18th green this week, there's kind of like a fence, almost like a cow fence you yeah. see in a pasture. And that fence is actually out of bounds. And it's not, I mean, it's very much in play. If you get a little, you know, get a little hot with your approach shot, you can easily run through the green and it will run out of bounds. You guys are very cognizant this week. This must have been 30 yards left of that fence that I'm talking about. And it, it careens off the grandstands and bounces back into play. You know, he's able to play it from there without taking the penalty. It was it was a very, very lucky bounce. Again, John Vanderbilt back in 1999 would have killed for that kind of break. Oh, my goodness. And and to hear the commentators as he tapped in, to go, this could have been a seven. It turns out to be, a, what was it, a four? And he's, he, you know, he's within two shots of the lead. That, that could have been the end of his tournament, but it double ricochets off the bleachers, and he's all good. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, as we were sitting here talking, I just, I'm watching Thorborn Olison on the 18th, and he actually just kind of ran it almost over the green. So you get in, out of bounds. So you get an idea how close that comes into play, and yet somehow he gets that lucky break. Uh, Jordan Spieth is one we should talk about. His putt on eight, uh, his first, well, his approach putt, for lack of a better word, on eight is the one making the rounds on Twitter. For a guy who's had trouble with his putting, the fact that he was willing to risk, I don't know, that ball could look like it could plop into the bunker if he hits it you know, two inches to the left. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I, I think over here, he understands these greens, and specifically lag putting. It's interesting, you know, you know, we talk about Augusta being a putting contest, and I would call this a lag putting contest because you're going to have a lot of 40, 50, 60 footers. That's as good as you can do sometimes, depending on your lie and the wind and the conditions. And no one does it better than Jordan, and I think that's a very good indication. I mean, look, he, he didn't count for it to be that good, but it was still, you know, it, it's still right in his wheelhouse. It's always funny when the on-course commentator says, there's no chance he's going to get this close. And then he sticks it close anyway because you just you, you never know with these guys sometimes. They're just so much better than some of us even expect. Well, you know it's live TV. When they said yeah. there's no way he can get it close, and they yeah. get it close. So you know it wasn't taped. So they didn't have that advantage. I didn't say that. No, that, that never happened. That's big. What do you make of the way he ended his round? Uh, wh- what did you see as he doubles 
goes double, bogey, par, bogey to finish his round. Yeah, I mean, these last couple of holes at Carnoustie, they're famous for ruining scorecards. I mean, it's what good rounds go to die, right? I mean, we've seen it plenty of times. I just mentioned Vandeveld. There's been countless others. I don't think it was that this time around, to be quite frank with you. I mean, he talked about it. Uh, 15, where things started going sideways, where he made the double. He said he hit the wrong club off the tee. It was a four iron. He said he hit the wrong club into the green. It was a six iron. He had to miss long on the green and not bring that bunker where he ended up in the play. And not only did he end up in the bunker, it was plugged. And so he really didn't have many options from there. And it, that's kind of the beauty of Lynx golf. Bunkers for, you know, a change are an actual hazard where guys have to work hard to make anything out of there. It's a one-stroke penalty for sure if you go in. And, and he paid the price on that one. And I just think he was disappointed with He kind of prides himself on his ability to think his way around the golf course, know where the proper miss is, and to execute the shots. And he didn't do any of that coming down the stretch. Yeah. And so he falls a few, he falls, what, four shots back at, with those final four holes. And it started well. Hopefully he can pick up in, in the last uh, three rounds. Rex Hoggard, thegolfchannel.com senior writer with us. Also, the moment I tuned in was, uh, I think, an example of Lynx golf is as they put up a graphic that Dustin Johnson had outdriven Charlie Hoffman by 99 yards on one hole. And you go, oh, my goodness. It's, it, it is playing as hard and fast as we expected. Oh, absolutely. And 99 yards is actually tame when you consider that some guys are going to hit irons off of certain tees, and Dustin's not going to do that. I mean, he made it clear his game plan earlier in the week. And, and look, I, there's two schools of thought. You can play back, you can play safe, you can play conservative with irons, or you can be aggressive if you're one of the bombers because you take a lot of the trouble out of play. I mean, a lot of these bunkers that we just talked about are at the 285, 290 mark, and for Dustin in these conditions it's relatively calm, that's an easy carry for him. And it just makes sense with the way the rough is this week. It's been one of the driest summers in U.K. history. There's not much rough. It's wispy. You can play out of it. And you're seeing him and Brooks Kepka and Roy McIlroy, the Bombers, take advantage of that. As you, as you see it up close, as you watch it, you, the fairways are, are brown. The greens are, are nice and green. Does, does the brown bother you? Are you a traditionalist and it has to be green? Or is this, is, is this work for you? I'm going to bore you with a family conversation now. My son, he works for the summer on the superintendent crew at my golf course. And uh, he had me go out to the 18th fairway and FaceTime with him and his boss, the super at my club. And because I'd sent him a picture. And then the super was like, oh, it's dead. It looks terrible. And I'm trying to explain to him that, no, this is what golf is supposed to look like. I know that we have changed it in the United States. I know that things are different. But uh, this is very much perfect conditions for this championship. And you really have to applaud the RNA. They did not try to manufacture some sort of green, lush golf course. They could with tons and tons of water. But essentially every year we show up here and we get what Mother Nature gives us. And in this particular case, it's a very hard, dry, fast golf course. And it may not look great on TV, but it's fun to play on. I I imagine as we talk about drives that could be 400-plus yards, I imagine it's it's fun to watch too, right? Like there's there's something about the British Open that makes me think uh, on those days where it's cold and windy and rainy, I think, man, there must be – these guys must want to be anywhere but right here right now. But this, this might be the most fun major there is. I think so because it's different. I don't think anybody would want a steady diet of this. I, I got to talking to a player today who has essentially played Lynx golf the last three weeks. The Irish Open was at a Lynx, true Lynx course last week at the Scottish Open down in Gullen, down on the coast. And this week, of course, it, it's tough. After three straight weeks, you kind of get beat up and battered. But 
yeah, for one week out of the year, it's so much fun to watch. And we're talking about different things. I mean, we never talk about runout. We never talk about ending distance. And that's an issue here because you're talking about drivers going 400-plus yards. Guys are hitting, you know, seven irons, 250, 260 yards. You don't know where it's going to stop, and suddenly you start having to worry about how far am I going to hit this because then other things come into play. It's a fascinating part of the game. Well, and when I tuned in this morning and I saw that, that DJ had nuked it 99 yards past Hoffman, they finally got up to DJ's ball, and he was in a spot where, though he was right next to the green, there was no chance he was getting it close to the pin because he just hit it too far and it was in a bad spot, and guys who were further back had a better shot, and you go, okay, well, it doesn't always it doesn't always work in your favor. I think, I think it's a fascinating debate these guys must have within themselves. Absolutely. And again, you're, you're talking about, I think six is the perfect example. I mean, not to get too golf geeky, but you have some, oh, bunkers, bring it on. Uh, two pop, two golf, uh, two pod bunkers at about 275 off the tee. That's an easy carry for the vast majority of the field. So you're going to hit over those, right? Well, you have another pair of bunkers that are 25 yards further than that. Well, now all of a sudden you have to figure out what club can I weave in between or around these two bunkers? Because it's a really tough choice. And if you don't carry it, 310, 320 even, like a Dustin Johnson. I mean, there's some tough decisions to make, and it, it is fascinating yeah. to watch how each player is doing this differently. I mean, Tiger and Jordan both said that they were going to hit a lot of irons off the tee, as I just said. Brooks and Dustin and Rory and the rest of them were going to hit driver. We'll see how it plays out. It's worth pointing out that the guy in the lead right now is very much one of the mid-length hitters. He is not a bomber, Kevin Kisner. Okay. So right now, I'm not sure if the, the bombing philosophy is playing out the way a lot of people thought. Well, we shall be watching Rex Hoggard, a senior writer for GolfChannel.com. Thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your time in Scotland. Appreciate it. All right, Rex Hoggard joining us on Toronto Today. Kristen Shilton, TSN 1050 Maple Leafs reporter. I have got some tough questions for her. I'm going to get her to break down the season coming. Help me, maybe some season-long prop bets I might have. It's coming up on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Kevin Kisner, your leader at the Open, or in my world, the British Open, at five under par, shooting a very fine 66. Eric Van Ruyen at four under par. Three guys, one stroke off the lead. Uh, Rex Hoggard of GolfChannel.com joining us in K. Kisner's not one of those bombers. He's one of those guys playing the irons, and it, and it worked pretty well for him. And as always, the Golf Insider brought to you by Subaru. Summer nights are made for Subaru. With lease rates from 0.5% at your local Ontario Subaru dealer, Subaru. Confidence in motion. Every time I get a cold, my voice, I just feel like it sounds so much better. Like, Joe, you're, like, you're, you're aroused hearing my voice like it's this. It's sultry. It's like, we all want Rod Smith's voice, right? And this is as close as I get to Rod Smith. But then it just gets bad from here. Yeah, I know. It sounds, you kind of sound like Chef from South Park. Oh. Smooth. I'm going to make love to your woman. I'm going to lay you down by the fire. Uh, I had one sports center one day. Uh, I had the opening Maple Leafs pack with my, my good friend, Laura Dykin. I'm like, no, no, my voice will be fine. I was feeling just atrocious. My, my boy would just fine. And Laura introduces, welcome to Sports Center. I'm Laura Dykin alongside Derek Taylor. The Maple Leafs, blah, 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 bling, 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 blah, going for four straight wins as they take on the Anaheim Ducks. And I'm like, that's right, Laura. The first period, Patrick Marlowe takes the puck. And at that point, uh, the producer, Owen, gets into Laura's ear and says, blah, 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 which I can't hear at that time. 
But then when I get to the scoreboard, he's like, uh, Derek, just go ahead and give all your scripts to Laura. Because apparently people at home did not want to hear me call highlights like this. Squeaky voice teen just, I'm sorry, I dropped your taco in the fryer. I'll get it. Ow! Apparently that is not what folks on SportsCenter want. It's not what folks on TSN 1050 want. They want sound wars. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Here at 1223 on Toronto today, we've collected audio from 365 days worth of great conversation and content here on TSN 1050. And we have for you a Sound Wars battle in the Kessel Conference. We want to find out what is the best clip you heard on here all year long. The third seed in the Kessel Conference is the Swiss coach talking about Canada. What sort of game are you expecting there? Like uh, a, a Canada team who uh, dominates us again, and we try to uh, hold against. What did you learn about them in the pre-tournament game you played? Learn uh, that we are far away from them still. They're uh, faster, they're bigger, they're stronger, they can shoot better, they can pass better, they can do everything better. I love it when guys tell the truth. Yeah, they're going to clobber us. Hey, uh, Derek, you and your team are taking on the Golden State Warriors. What do you expect? To lose by 300. Let's just call it like it is. I love guys that call it like it is. Let's hear seed number six, Ovechkin's parade speech. And the one and last thing. Before the year, I said, not me say, it's uh, it just us saying, we're not going to be f***ing sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. I cannot tell you how much I love Alexander Ovechkin. I I don't know where I'm going with this one. This is a 3-6 matchup. This is a real one. I don't know who's got the edge because both are outstanding. We want to know what you think. TSN1050.ca. Click on Sound Wars and vote for your favorite. Is it the Swiss coach with we're going to get stomped out by Canada? Or Ovechkin cursing that we don't suck anymore. Something along those lines. Voting for this sound war. It'll close at 3 p.m. And then listen to Overdrive later today for the results. And the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Ugh. Alexander Ovechkin. And then they, they go on the Kimmel show. And they have Kimmel doing... Dives into the Stanley Cup and just getting wasted. Like he spent like a week just trashed. Just you know what? I've taken so much crap from people for twelve years, however long it's been. I could never win the big one. Uh, and there's there's some of the anti-Russian bias in there. And then he wins it, and man, he did it upright. That day with the Stanley Cup seemed to turn into like a week with the Stanley Cup, and. Everybody got a piece of it. I, I'm not sure if he met Putin. Well, his, his unfortunately good buddy, Vladimir Putin, but uh, would have had one of those Robert Kraft handshakes where, hey, it's, oh, you want to look at my, my Super Bowl ring? Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, can I have my Super Bowl ring back? What Super Bowl ring? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Vladimir Putin. Good luck ever getting it back because we would lose a treasured Canadian, a piece of uh, Canadiana and hockey history because uh, Putin gets what, what Putin wants. Let's just call it like that. I have a buddy who's a giant Vladimir Putin fan. He entertains me no end. And 
where we are in the world right now, Putin is uh, he's a fun character unless, you know, you live in Russia and are part of that. The Leafs. I mean, how excited are you for Leaf season? It's still a couple months away. All the hockey guys, margaritas, wine by the lake. I had some I have some real questions. I'm I'm curious. I have some curiosities, let's say, that they're not they're not going to be answered until we until the season gets around and we get a chance to uh to see this happen in person, but we have a feeling for how it's going to go. So I have prepared some questions for TSN 1050 Leafs reporter Kristen Shilton. Kristen, this will be intense. I hope you are prepared. Oh, I'm so ready. Let's go. All right. Question number one. Have you been calling it Matthews and Tavares or Tavares and Matthews? I think I say Matthews and Tavares. I think, I, I think that's how I do it. That's my order. Okay. Is <laughs> any particular reason why or that's just how it came out the first time and that's how it rolls for you? It just rolls. It rolls off the tongue that way. It's, and, you know, it's alphabetical, so that's fair. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who will be the first Leafs player to 30 goals this season? Oh, that's a tough one. Starting off hard. I'm going to go with Tavares. Okay. Do you yeah. think there were multiple 30 goals? What, three guys with 30-plus last season? How many do you think there'll be multiple again? Or Yes, I would say at least three, if not four. All right. When I looked at their, when I looked at the roster, and it's man, you see Matthews and you see Tavares and you see Nazem Kadri, and I, I start to think, is there any team with better depth at center one to three than the Maple Leafs right now? When you look around the league, is there is there anyone better? There's not that I've seen. I'm as soon as Tavares signed, that's the first thing you're looking at. You're thinking, who has the depth down the middle that the Leafs do now? Who has the one, two, three? All three of those guys can put up thirty goals in a season. All three of them can play. Uh, against anybody in the league. So it becomes a very interesting question of who has this kind of depth. And I don't see it. I'm sure there's arguments that could be made for another team if you really tried. But just looking at it immediately, you think, I mean, how are, how's anybody going to match up against the Leafs, at least offensively? They're going to have to, they're going to have the real hands full. It's going to be uh, interesting. I would imagine there'll be a lot of switching around, a lot of changes on the fly when we get into the season because you're going to need uh, to figure out how you're going to slow down one line and not let the other two lines uh, destroy you as well. Uh, more time on ice in the regular season, Tavares or Matthews? Ooh, uh, it's so dependent. I mean, at, at even strength, including including power play, I don't know. I, I would almost give the edge there to Tavares just because of I think he'll play more power play um, than Matthews just with how things will end up shaking out. But I would say it'll be pretty close, but I think uh, I'll give the edge to Tavares on that one too. Going John Tavares. More goals, Tavares or Matthews? Ooh, no, I'll give that one to Matthews. I think he's okay. going to be pretty hungry after last season. I think he's going to be pretty hungry with how things went injury-wise. And I also I think if, if Tavares is taking some of those tougher matchups, he's going to be freed up a little bit more. Uh, so I would think he'll, he'll maybe be more consistent. I could see Tavares scoring more early, but I think maybe Matthews will be more consistent throughout the whole year scoring. Okay, and then more assists as we wrap up this section of Tavares v. Matthews. <laughs> Ooh, more assists. Uh, I think... I'm going to say Tavares because Matthews, he's, he's the guy putting it in the net. Not that he can't, not that he's not a good playmaker as well, but he's usually the one who ends up, uh, you know, in front of the net or the guy in the slot who's, who's just got that incredible shot. So I'm going to give the assist marker to Tavares. All right. My, so- my mid-July prediction. Yeah, exactly. These, of course, will be etched into a stone tablet kept around for all of time. Next Uh, July, you'll be asking me about it. All right. Frederick Anderson, 66 Mm -hmm. starts this past season, 66 the year before. Mm -hmm. The over-under for starts this season, 66 and a half. Do you go over or under? You know, I 
I'm going to go under this year. Uh, I, I think last year it was pretty obvious by the time they got to the postseason that he wasn't at his best. And I do think that had to do with uh, the workload that he was carrying all year. And I do think that Mike Babcock will recognize that and maybe adjust his system this season purely because this is two years in the postseason where it's been a little bit shaky. It's been the goaltending hasn't been as good as you want it to be. So there's no need to ride him quite as hard as, as the Leafs did. They have serviceable backups who can play more than they have been. So I would say it'll be less, but not significantly less, probably still like low 60s. But uh, I don't imagine that they will make the, the same decision to ride Anderson quite as much. It just didn't seem to work by the end of the season. All right, now we're, we're venturing, we're approaching my hot take. I have one more question okay. leading okay. into my hot take. Patrick Marlowe, mm-hmm. over under 81 and a half games played this season. Over oh. or under? <laughs> over. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there wasn't, a number. There. There wasn't <laughs> a number I could put there. I'm like, no. Like, he's, he's there. I mean, you would just have to drag him off on like a stretcher. Like, you'd have to like hold him down to keep him from playing. He's just so committed. So, I he'll, he'll be like, He'll be out there every single game, every shift. It'll be he's he's your Iron Man for sure. Two thousand nine was the last yeah. time he missed a game. I know a- it's ten years almost since he missed a game. It's not. That's unbelievable, and that leads me directly into my hot take. Uh, mm-hmm. One, if you would judge the hotness of this take, two, the validity of it, and three, if I need to be slapped down, just slap me down. But <laughs> in the grand scheme of say the next decade of the Maple Leafs' future. Patrick mm-hmm. Marlowe will be a more impactful free agent than John Tavares. Ooh, Judge I, the hotness first off. Ooh, that's, that's extremely hot. That's okay. an extremely hot take. Uh, I, I would say no, for sure. Uh, that's, that's, that's the first time I've heard that one, which is pretty, which is pretty good. I feel like I've heard it all, um, that I've even had that take mentioned. Uh, no, I think that Marlowe has been probably better than I would have expected. Maybe not my Babcock would have expected, but he has been... Uh, such a, a big part of the Leafs in only one season, but I would think that uh, Tavares, if things go as they're supposed to go on this path, I don't think there's going to be a bigger free agent signing in history of the Toronto Maple Leafs than, than John Tavares, so that's my take. Okay, here's how I come to the to this extremely hot take. Okay. The surface of the sun take. Seeing, <laughs> seeing a guy like Marlowe, who has been a top-end player in his career, and mm-hmm. this, he again hasn't missed a game since 2009. I just, mm-hmm. we obviously don't get into the locker room, but the effect yeah. that that must have on a team that is loaded with young kids. This mm-hmm. is how I want you to be, Austin Matthews, for 15 years. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. explicitly done, but, you know, let's look mm-hmm. at what he does. Hey, Mitch Marner, do this for 15 years. I think the ripple effects on, on the kids that Marlowe mm-hmm. brings will, one, far outweigh the value they have to pay him in his contract. But mm-hmm. and just will be phenomenal. Well, and I I would agree in that sense. In terms of who would have a bigger impact, just on uh, inside of the room, in terms of whether it's motivation, inspiration, whatever you want to call it, I would say that Marlowe would have the bigger impact long term. Just just purely for what he did for Mitch Marner last year. And Marner was a completely different person and player, at least from my perspective as a member of the media, from year one to year two. He became. Uh, just a, a, he became more sure of himself. He became more confident. The way that he spoke, the way that he was able to to almost get inside his own game and, and discuss it was completely different. You could see his maturity as the season went on and, and on the ice, off the ice. You know that Patrick Marlowe had such a huge uh, impact on him simply because 
they spent time together. Marlo being the type of guy that he is, he leads by example, and he's very quiet, but he, when, you, when he speaks, you pay attention. So for Marner, I don't know if he would have had the season that he did. I mean, he was their top uh, top in points for the Leafs last year. He, he was a big part of why they were able to continue to be competitive when Matthews was out as much as he was and just playing on a line with him obviously made a difference. So I don't think you need to look any further than Mitch Marner to see that impact. And if Marner is going to be the type of player they want for a long time, we could be talking about Marlowe's impact long after he's left the Leafs if he's helping to mold Mitch Marner into, you know, that sort of franchise player that the Leafs envisioned that he could be when they drafted him. Yeah, I feel like 10 years from now, that'll be kind of an insight that one of your yeah. buddies throws at you like, man, remember the remember what he did and now look at what, mm-hmm. what Marner's see, become. See what they've become. And Matthews, too. It, yeah. It's really unfortunate for how um, Matthews was still, he was still on the road. He was still around the guys when he was injured, but uh, that certainly can't be understated either how, how much of a difference Marlowe's presence made for those young guys and just gave them something to aspire towards and we don't even always think of that on being when you're a player of their caliber even as young players that there's someone on the team who's extremely aspirational for them but that's what Marlowe is so that's where his impact is and you can't you don't know that when you sign a guy you don't know how it'll go but it's been a huge coup for the Leafs to have him like that yeah absolutely 1236 on Toronto today three more question number eight a, a must-win playoff game for the Leafs. It can be whatever one. Game game six to stay alive. Game seven to take the series. How much time on ice will the Leafs' fourth center have? Oof. Um, less than eight minutes. Let's in total, less than eight for sure. Yeah. There's uh, they're going to have so much um, firepower on those first three lines, and I don't know if Par Lindholm ends up being your fourth line center, unless he really blows everybody away. He's not going to be out there when when something is on the line, I wouldn't imagine. Okay. Question number nine. The Stanley Cup winning goal that is inevitably coming for the Maple Leafs. (laughs) Who's more likely to be on the ice? Tavares? Matthews? Ooh, that's a... Remember, chipping this in stone. Producer okay. Joe uh-huh. carving keep, this into a tablet. This. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Matthews. That was my gut reaction. I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. Now you got a, you got a good gut. You got a good gut. Uh, you, you're trusting your knowledge. I like this. Uh, the the goal that loses them the Stanley Cup because oh, you can't. No. I mean, you can't be all roses and sunshine. People keep telling me you got to lose one before you win one. Blah blah yep. blah blah. Mm-hmm. More likely mm-hmm. to be on the ice, Tavares or Matthews, or we'll just pin it on Kadri. Well, well, put it, no, don't put it on that. Uh, we'll put it. I'm going to put that one. On, I'll put that one on Tavares. I'll be consistent here. I'll say. You know what? But that's going to just get them all the more motivated the next year when they win. So that'll that'll be how it goes, I would think. You, you I'm going to guess. <laughs> uh, you and I haven't talked a ton about this. You expect to be covering a Stanley Cup, say, in the next couple to five years, right? A Stanley Cup final with well, this yes. team. When I, when I started on this beat, this will be my third season, I thought that I would be covering a Stanley Cup final for them within five years. So I've got two years to go here. And, or about three years to go, and I, I like the odds a lot better now that Tavares is on the team. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. I think I'm sure Leafs fans do, and they can't wait for the season to get started. Kristen, thanks so much. appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you for having me. At TSN 1050 Maple Police reporter Kristen Shilton. Man, she... She has got it going on with with his team, and yes, so um, going the under on Freddie Anderson starts good, but yeah, eighty two games for Patrick Marlowe continues to blow my mind. Plenty more coming up on Toronto today. It is twelve thirty eight. Keeping our eye on the British Open. More t- Kawhi talk coming up. Tiger Woods coming on at the Open. Two under through eight. Three shots off the pace. Roy McIlroy also at two under par. 
Three shots out the pace. Rory through 17, so he is on 18, all chasing Kevin Kisner, who's in at 8 minus 5, as we see Dustin Johnson right now on 17 at plus 2. So the, the big bomber not really working for him. That dude is just nuking the ball on this brown hard pen, whatever you want to call it, and hey, it's on the green. That'll do. The Open, of course, our coverage of it uh, picks up Saturday and Sunday. One of those great tournaments where you just, you know, still up from the night before. You're having your Kawhi Leonard, your Kawhi Leonard shots, celebrating the great pickup. You're like, oh, I'm still up. I'm going to watch some golf. I'm going to fall asleep watching golf. Wake up watching golf. That all sounds pretty good to me. Adrian Wojnarowski saying, hey, Kawhi Leonard is warming up to the thought of coming to Toronto, but he's still committed to going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Producer Joe, I'm going to need you for this one because I'm going to use you as my, my guinea pig for this. Are, are you okay? Do you feel... Yeah, let's do it. As long as you don't grill me as hard as Kristen Shelton. That was some real grilling, hey? 80? Seriously. How? Just as an aside, the fact that Patrick Marlowe does not miss games and he's 77 years old, that's unbelievable. I had a chance to meet him and uh, help him out a little bit buying some hockey gear for his little guy. And he came in in a navy blue Under Armour shirt, and that thing had no chance. <laughs> no chance. I looked at this guy, and I'm like, how how much time do you spend in the gym? Yeah. And he's just one of those guys that really takes care of himself, and you can see it on the ice. Like, He's probably the least maybe second best skater at his age. Yeah. That's... He's, Unbelievable. Well, we hear the stories about LeBron James, you know, reportedly spends a million dollars a year taking care of his body. We'll never hear that. We'll never hear a story like that about hockey players. But yeah, it's it's very clear. Like, I don't know if he spends more time. He he must spend more time in his off ice training than his on ice, which would be a ton. At his age, too. I mean, skating takes a lot out of your knees. And if you can do a lot of stuff off the ice that don't hurt you as much. It helps. And we've seen football players, too. I remember at one point, Troy Polamalu did a lot of his workouts underwater. Right. Just because it takes less tension. And he was an absolute specimen as well. Oh, man. He would just throw his body around. I'm curious if he was was coming out of college now, uh, if he's coming to USC now, how we'd approach a guy like that who just tries to destroy people at 1,000 miles an hour. Man, he was a good one. Okay. Here's the Kawhi went Leonard talk. Woj saying he's still committed to going to L.A. And I can never get past five years, $190 million versus four years, $141 million. It's a lot of money. Do you want me to make it feel worse? Hit me. 48 hours ago, his max contract was actually five years, $221 million. Oh, 221 Yeah, the super... Because he was eligible for that super max contract. So if... Kawhi Leonard chooses not to stay with the Raptors, then demanded to be trade from, traded away from the San Antonio Spurs, he's giving up $80 million. Yeah, pretty much as far as guaranteed money. On yeah. It. yeah. Which I, I'll, I'll hear the gang from uh, ESPN's The Jump talk about the Supermax has had the, abs, the exact opposite effect of what it was supposed to do because Kawhi's going to leave and Paul George left and DeMarcus cut. I don't know that's had the opposite effect, but guys want to leave, sometimes want to leave, and it's not enough incentive for them to stay. If you, I, I've been in places where I hated it, and unfortunately, I made like twenty three thousand dollars a year, so you know you're not really leaving anything behind. But there's not an amount of money that makes it palatable to go to work when you hate your job and where you work. Well, not to mention the fact that 
and we have this conversation about NHL free agents all the time, the salary cap in the NBA continues to rise. Yep. So realistically, you're not actually giving players any advantage by having them sign a long-term deal when they're superstars. Because you're actually limiting how much you're going to make in that contract because every year you're locked in at a term that was based on a previous max. Right. So in the NBA, you shoot for certain certain gaps. When you get to that 10-year service gap, you can now get 35% of the salary cap, right? So yeah. there, there are certain markers by which... So guys will structure their contracts so they're out at 10 years. Okay, now, now lock me in for five years and the money. And then you get the sweet Chris Paul deal where you're the NBA president and you go, oh, remember that over 36 rule? That's going to be over 38 because LeBron and I, we're going to be older than 36, right? So they, they maneuvered that just fine. But yeah... So Kawhi would eventually have gotten that money just because of service time. But, and, and you might be saying, hey, five years versus four years is not a comparison because he'll sign a contract after that four-year deal and he'll make up some of that money. He'll never make up all of that money, right, because the escalator in your contract amount it can increase every year is greater with the Raptors than if you leave and sign with a new team because that's what bird rights are all about. Could you leave $50 million on the table? No. Is there any is there any draw to another market? Is playing with LeBron worth fifty million dollars? Well, here's the thing: we've seen what Kawhi Leonard has done. I remember yesterday we we had a guest on. He was explaining that we don't really know what Kawhi wants, and he clearly didn't want a situation that's all about winning because he was in San Antonio, and most of the players that enjoy San Antonio and start developing into that system. They believe winning is more important than the individuality. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't seem like the type of person that's all about individuality. Because like you were saying yesterday, he's not all about his Nike deal. He's not all about putting him... He hasn't tweeted since 2015. Yeah, that sounds, I can totally buy that, yeah. So, is what? he interested in being a secondary guy to LeBron James? I don't know. For, for a player of his caliber, what, how much do you think he should make on a four-year shoe deal? When Harden gets like three hundred million dollars or whatever the number is, I mean, it should be more than twenty million dollars over four Derek years. Whatever Derrick Rose gets, he oh should God. get more. Is that fair? Would he had one hundred and ninety million dollars when he signed that, the biggest deal in shoe history when uh, it was signed? That dude is the dried out husk of Derrick Rose. <laughs> Just hanging around the NBA makes me howl because he's holding on entirely for that shoe deal, right? Because it keeps. What there was a story about his shoe deal, and I had to Google it up, but it's not contingent on how well he plays or how much he plays. Just that he's playing. Yeah, as like, long as he's in the NBA. Wow, your agent, whoever repped you on that deal, yeah, gets a real pat. That in the guy back. should get the shoe deal. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it should be changed over. So then, if it's tough to pass up fifty million dollars of guaranteed money because anything can happen in those four years in which you're waiting to to go, that bodes well for the Raptors. Well. With normal people, that would bode well for the Raptors, but Kawhi is not normal. And that's not, I don't know what, what he is uh, outside of normal, but he's just not the regular guy. He doesn't like talking to people. He doesn't like the media. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be famous, it doesn't seem like. It's interesting that I find that most superstars or stars that have played in Toronto, before they get here, they always have criticisms. Then they come here then they're very quiet, and when they depart, all they have is great things to say, but they also start vouching for the team unsolicited. And even Damon Sotomayor a couple months ago was saying, and we had him on the station last year, and he said, I walked into Toronto going, where in God's name am I going? 
And he said when it was all said and done, Toronto was the greatest place for me because I never thought I would have fans cheering my name. And to this day, if I walk into the city or speak about Toronto, people are enamored by me. They're like, oh, it's Mighty Mouse. And people remember him. Yeah. Toronto is interesting because the selling point isn't the 8 million people or whatever that is lives in Toronto. You have an entire country cheering for you. And Vince Carter proved if you are a star, ESPN will watch. Yeah. And South of the Border will watch. And you will be equally as loved and revered, but you'll have something more special behind it. And that's that you have a country cheering you on, not just San Antonio or Los Angeles. Yeah, you could... I could probably make an argument the Lakers have more fans than the Raptors do. Because California is, I mean, L.A. is obviously an enormous city. Uh, California, and then the Lakers have this cachet uh, across all of America and Canada and other places. Just because, for the, uh, Joe had tweeted me, the Bleacher Report posted a photo of a, of a mural up in L.A. And it's, it's the Great Western Forum and the Staples Center. And on the Staples Center, it's Kobe Bryant wearing, I don't know, an eight-ball jacket or whatever, holding a trophy. And Shaquille O'Neal and Magic Johnson and Kareem and uh, Wilt Chamberlain, the greatest NBA player of all time, and all their trophies. And this, this mural has LeBron looking up at all these people. And you go, wow, that is, that's, that is a franchise with some real history. See, you, uh, you see it. So the Lakers, I mean... Canada loves the Raptors, but the world loves the Lakers. Well, and not to mention that this is where Kawhi wanted to go. So it seems okay maybe to give up the money because to your point, he might make it back with all the millions and millions of Lakers fans that are going to buy a number two jersey with Kawhi Leonard on it. Yeah. But we could use our own city as a example. In two years, we saw... A Toronto boy, have everything in front of him, have a chance to be the complete icon of the city for the Maple Leafs and Steven Stamkos, and he stayed in Tampa Bay. Chicken. Right? No, he's a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a non-traditional hockey market, to use the term everybody hates. And then vice versa, John Tavares chose Toronto, left a 91 or $93 million deal that was offered to him apparently by San Jose to be a Maple Leaf. Yeah. Ultimately, it goes either way. Stamkos didn't come here because that team went to the Stanley Cup Finals and he had a chance to win, and the Leafs were rebuilding. Well, the Lakers are rebuilding, and I don't know how many guys want to be behind LeBron's shadow because as of late, it hasn't been many. It's yeah. not It's not him and his buddies as it was in Miami. Kyrie Irving did not want to be you know, the, the Robin to his Batman. Yeah. Kyrie's a different cat, right? Kyrie clearly thinks, thinks of himself as the alpha. Uh, and you know, you're, you're not the alpha. Like if you run with Wolverine, Wolverine. I mean, he's got adamantium bones, right? I mean, come on, you can't battle that. He's the he's the man. So it's it, that's got. But everybody has their own things about what they want. Do you want to be the? Do you want to lead your? Own, it's a question they keep asking about Kevin Durant. When will he want to be the the number one on a team and set on his own? Who the hell? Who knows? Because everybody has different things. Do you want money? Do you want job satisfaction? Do you want to live in a great place? Do you want your family to be happy? Do you want people to not be yelling outside the studio? What do you, What do you want? Because there are so many factors, and you see it in your in your own job, right? Do you want great uh, great hours, great weather? What would you trade for what? And what to, you're never going to get everything. So what are you willing to sell on? But what is an absolute must for you? So here's a question for you then. 
what is the perfect scenario that would create a long-term contract for Kawhi Leonard in Toronto? I think the perfect scenario would be uh, we never try to talk to him. We never ask him dumb questions. We never have him on the radio. We never have him on Sports Center. We just never he we never stick a microphone in his face. He gets to just go do. He walks through completely anonymously. We import a lot of other six seven guys to be walking around downtown so that our heads aren't turned and we go. Is that is that guy an, uh, for a raptor? Just a bunch of six seven dudes walking around so he can hide. I get just from the way he acts. Right? You think he would like to hide? He'd love to be able to hide in plain sight. I wish no one ever asked me to see how long my arms are or how big my hands are or go, wow, I watched you with San Diego State in that tournament, and, man, you were, you were amazing. What was Coach Fisher like? What was Coach Popovich like? All that stuff. I think he would just like to be let alone. But I, I don't know what's going to happen because Canada loves the Raptors. But, to your point... How can that ever be more than how many people love the Lakers? Well, that's and that's the part that makes no sense, right? If you want to be, if you're a guy who wants to be let alone, you don't go to the Lakers because they will talk about you forever. Uh, Brian Swain, who works uh, does some work with our folks in, in Edmonton at TSN 1260, uh, posted a picture of the Vashon Leonard number two jersey and says, "Imagine this: you're going to have to explain to your friends that this was not misspelled when you busted out to go to the Raptor game." So we'll all we'll have a Vashon Leonard feature certainly coming up on TSN Originals. Hey, that is it for me, uh, Derek Taylor, Toronto today. Uh, stick with us, uh, Gareth Wheeler, I believe, is up on the the Scott. McC- Carter Show next on TSN 1050.